welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Tabert Contreras. And in today's episode, I want you to walk away with, wow, such a powerful download uh, that God has been giving me over the last couple of weeks, specifically related to the habits that are tied to high performance as Christian women. So, With that, I want to first start off with a definition of performance from a godly perspective, and then I'll jump into the super habits that he downloaded to me that, man, it was just affirmation of what has uh, worked effectively for me over the last 20 years. Obviously, as we grow and evolve, they become stronger. We become more skilled at them. And when I look at those that are most successful, these are the habits that they carry. So... Let me start first by that definition of performance. And I got to tell you that God started putting that on my heart a while back. And at first I was kind of like, like the word performance made me think of performing for works. It made me initially think of who I was in a season where I was working in corporate America. I was working, you know, 50, 60, whatever the hours were. And it was all performance based. And for that season of time, I unknowingly was getting a lot of my value in who I was in what I was performing, in my achievements, right? Ending up in this uh, role in corporate America as a vice president responsible for over a billion in assets. Like there was so much pride and ego tied into that, along with uh, being at the like constantly feeling like I needed to perform in order to keep up with it, which in that environment you do. It was a different type of performance. What God has led me to understand over the last, you know, couple of years now is that the healthy variation of performance, the I want to say the godly view of performance, or at least how he has put this on my heart in a refining and reframing that word for me is that truly every day is a performance. But when we do it on God's terms, it's not a out of a will or out of a desire or out of a need of feeling like we have to perform for approval or feeling like we have to perform for a reward or feeling like we have to perform for acceptance or validation or any of those things. It simply means to be showing up as the best version of ourselves and executing at our highest capacity on any given day. Because we all know that we have one, you know, lifetime to live out and that each and every one of us are created on purpose for a unique and greater purpose. But as I always teach and coach, it is up to us to as to what we get to experience with that, right? It goes back to the story of the five uh, talents and, and what they did with it and how they each chose individually. So they were given the same seed of potential and yet they did very, the response to it was very different. And so their result and what they were able to create out of it was very different, right? And so that is true in our everyday lives. God planted inside of you a seed of purpose that has amazing, phenomenal potential And it is up to you as an individual woman to decide what you're going to do to actively cultivate that. And our performance day to day is what impacts to the extent in which we experience the greatest 
potential within the seed of purpose and then also give the greatest potential within the seed of purpose that he has given us, right? And I know that I want to get to heaven and have God look at me and say, well done, right? And I I know that there are things that are, you know, we're always going to be learning, evolving, and growing. And so we get to consistently be have a humbled perspective for it, but we do the best we can. We show up and we put the effort in. That's what becoming an active participant. Part of that responsibility is getting an understanding and awareness of the discouragements, the distractions, where the enemy is coming against us and all of those things. So how do we put it all together? And that's where it comes down to our day-to-day performance. I think sometimes, and I'm going to jump into the keys to the high performance that he's given me and that I've witnessed, uh, but I think some days uh, part of the pre-frame for this is understanding is that, and this may just be me, but I know that I've talked to a lot of other women that feel the same way in that when we think about God, we think about the Bible and we think about our relationship with him, we sometimes think about the big picture or we, we tend to fall back into feeling like there, you know, time is limitless or infinite or whatever the case may be. And it's not a conscious thing, but our actions, we act as if, uh, you know, there's more time or there will be more time. And the reality is like, not from a, a you know, a dark place, I, but the truth is, is that we don't really know how much time we have. It may be that you have the next 20, 30, 40 years to continue to live out your unique and greater purpose, but what if you don't, right? It's like Jesus himself says to live as if he's coming at any moment. And are we truly doing that? Or are we just kind of falling into the assumption or uh, the, like kind of taking it for granted that we have all this time, right? And it's finding that right balance of what God has taught me in terms of performance in his view, or at least what he's given me the definition of, um, you know, having a God-centered performance is taking action from a position of surrender, right? So worldly performance is that of striving, right? It's striving for a goal, doing whatever it takes. You're burning the, you know, candlestick, which for those of you that are younger, that might be an outdated analogy. But for for those of you that are with me in your 30s and more, there was this expression, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends, right? You're, you're up super early, you're staying up super late, whether it's for a combination of your business or trying to manage business and family, but you're really doing all the things for all the people, because that's who, you know, the people pleasing or the performance at the job or whatever it might be, a variety of reasons, but at the expense of yourself. Whereas when we learn how to show up each day and perform from a position of active surrender, meaning we are taking action effectively and then we are surrendering the results. And truly, when I look at the work that I get to do with women, this is the heart of what makes a difference, makes the difference, right? Uh, the first, so let me jump into these factors. The first is, but first God, right? We start our day and so often you'll see these memes where it says, but first coffee or but first a workout, but first this. And really it needs to be, but first God. And I'm going to reference this as soul care. And I'm going to go into quite a few scriptures, um, but I'm going to just kind of rapid fire, but I would encourage you to 
you know, I don't know if you're like me, you're probably listening to the podcast when you're on a run or you're driving or something along those lines. This might be one of the podcast episodes that you want to come back to um, when you have time to jot down these verses, listen to it again, right? And hopefully you'll get more out of it the second time you listen to it, right? You'll hear things a little bit differently. Something new will stand out. In fact, I'm going to pause for just a second to uh, to say a prayer and just ask that, Father God, this has been such a powerful download for me. I pray that I am able to honor it and speak it in the way in which you want it to be heard, Father God. So give me the words in this moment that will have the most impact and the most value for this woman that is listening to my voice right now, Father God. And I pray that you meet her wherever she's at, in her kitchen, in her car, in the gym, on that run, Father God, and that you speak life to her through the words that you are giving me today. I pray that you give her the discernment and the filter, the wisdom, Father God, to hear what you want her to hear from this message and from this episode. I lift her up to you in the name of Jesus and this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first, you know, habit is the but first God, and this is the soul care. And the scriptures that I want to give to you is, uh, well, let me start with the soul care piece of it is to truly start each day with God. And I will tell you that, as I've shared before, at this point in my walk, I truly hold the belief that I don't want to start my day or get into my day, so to speak, without having spent time with God, because I now have the perspective and the understanding, maybe the reverence, I I guess, if you want to call it that, that I don't really know, I don't want to pretend to know what I should be doing that day without having checked in with him, right? It is also true that there is so much more to that. And so that's where I'm going to go through these scriptures and Get an understanding and hopefully impress upon you that if you feel like you're in a season of life where you don't have time, first of all, I've been there, right? Or you, maybe you're newer and you, you're you like kind of intimidated by spending time with God or you don't know what that means or what have you. We'll talk about that a little bit too. But I really want to encourage you to not tune this part out. First of all, obviously, you can use your prayer, your discernment and determine whether or not morning is the right time for you. And maybe God is putting it on your heart that it's something different. But I want you to listen to this segment, if you will, and determine whether or not you feel a conviction. Now, remember, condemnation, guilt, all those things are not of God. But a conviction is a stirring in your heart like, yes, I I want to commit to that. I need to commit to that. A conviction to open up capacity to start your morning with him, even if it means getting up earlier, even if it means because if we lean into the fact that he is the source of all our things, if you feel like I'm not a morning person or I'm too busy or all those things, could it be, and again, I'm just planting the seed, but could it be that that is actually a lie that's being fed to you by the enemy or your own stinking thinking or your own conditioning that really doesn't align with what he wants for you, right? When we're telling ourselves that we're too busy or we don't have time or it feels too chaotic in the morning or we're not awake enough yet or what have you, it may, just may, 
be a story that really doesn't serve you, but you've just held on to it for so long for whatever reason, it's become a belief that you feel like it's true. But perhaps you could be open to the idea or the possibility to just test it out for 30 or 40 days. 40 days tends to be like a good number for me. I'm sure it's tied to, you know, 40 days in the desert, but test it out for 40 days and see the impact and the result that it has for you when you take the time, the effort, the energy, and the focus to spend the first few minutes of your day with God, right? So let me go through these verses that come to mind that kind of affirm this, and that is the first and foremost, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you. You know, sis, when I, I've read this verse many, many times, and when I was reading it again to prepare for this specific episode, what I notice is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added to, or will be added to you. And then it goes on to say, do not worry about tomorrow. And we all know the rest. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Now, he, if we were to take that in the literal sense, and again, I'm not a theologian. I'm just telling you what was kind of on my heart this morning as I was preparing for this um, episode. And, and once again, I've, this has been on my heart for this last week or so. And it just keeps kind of, it's kind of like peeling back the onion. So I'm glad that for whatever reason, it didn't get recorded earlier because God was re still revealing things to me as I was kind of fine tuning things this morning, but that in this verse, he's saying, do not worry about tomorrow. So what if that's literal? If that is literal, then it also implies that seeking him first is something that we do each and every day, but seek him first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Right. And I can go into and we'll talk a little bit more as to God wants to give us all the things. Right. He is a, has a love for us that is beyond any parental love that we can ever think and imagine. Even if you had amazing parents, our abilities to feel, express, receive emotions is limited. It's it's finite. Right. Whereas God is infinite. So we really only have the beginning concept of what love is like compared to his love for us, right? And so, of course, he would want to give you all the things, but he's going to give what is best for you. And how many of you know that our parents, like you don't sit your kid down in front of two pounds of candy and just let them have it, right? You're going to discern what is good, what is best, and you're going to give what is good is what is best. And there are some things that you're going to freely give. And there's some things that they get to work for because of the lessons they learned by having to work for it, right? But in order to do that and even be available of all of those things, we have to be seeking God first. We have to be available. We have to be looking. We have to be asking. We, we don't have to. We get to. We get to be um, active participants in the relationship with him, right? But in this verse, if we were to take it literal, then do not worry about tomorrow assumes that we are literally seeking him first each and every day. And then, of course, Romans 12, 2 talks about do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, rereading this verse, then 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? So in the scripture, the way I'm reading it now in kind of the new view, or I wouldn't say new necessarily, but an expanded view on it is that do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in order for, then you will be able to approve that, what is good, I'm sorry, approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So in order to be able to discern God's will and know what he wants for us, know what steps he wants us to be taking, know what is for our highest good, we must be renewing our mind. Now think about this, sis. If we are exposed to the world for every minute of our waking hour and the things that we are exposed to, which this is a whole nother topic for another, but I will plant the seed, that the things that we are exposed to and allow in our sphere of influence during the day also impacts what we're meditating on in our sleep. So then how much more so do we need to be renewing our mind on a daily basis? And in challenging seasons, you know I'm a fan of renewing throughout the day as often as you need to, right? Carrying around those scriptures that are going to support you in that season. But that's for another episode. And I've talked about that in the past in other episodes, right? So again, to reaffirm the importance of anchoring our day. This is the other words that he gave us is anchoring each and every day to him and his word, right? And then uh, Deuteronomy 28.1 is a scripture that, man, he has really poured into me and keeps bringing a friend of mine over the last, you know, six to nine months. Maybe it's been a year and I keep going back to it, but it talks about the whole chapter is so amazing talking about the blessings of being in obedience. But again, in order to be in obedience, I think we take for, and it goes back to when we expand out and we go to the, we go to the Sunday service, or maybe you think, well, I pray throughout the day, or somebody asked me for pray for, pray for them. And I pray for them then, or I try to do, you know, a daily devotional at the end of the day or whatever the case may be. When we're, when we aren't so closely, intimately knitted with him each and every day, I think that we can fall into a pattern of believing that we're being obedient, but perhaps not to the greatest extent in which he would want for us. Because again, it's so easy to start to be conformed to the ways of the world or the ways of a friend group or the ways of you name it, right? And feel like, well, it's it's good, it's not horrible. So it must, and it's not even often, that's what we need to be aware of, a, a conscious choice. It's developing a tolerance for it could be even slightly less than the standard that God wants for you. And again, we don't live by the law. We live by grace. We live by all, you know, love and, and um, his presence and all of those things. But it's up to us to be highly aware of are we putting ourselves in the best position to experience it and then give it. And it takes so much more awareness and intentionality 
now in today's society than ever before, right? Especially in the United States. Um, of course, that's my, my home country. So that's what I um, can relate to. And I can tell you that at 48 years old, I am looking at even the things that our kids are exposed to compared to what I was exposed to. Even as a non-believer growing up, I can still look at the differences and go, it is night and day different in terms of what we are exposed to. And therefore it is in, even as adults, right? What is acceptable now in terms of ads and what's shown or things that are said that are, you know, I don't know what the word would be. I, I just lost it, but like off, uh, you know, in what we might've deemed, you know, 10 years ago to be inappropriate. It's common language now it's common referencing now. Right? So it's being aware that those little things that seem insignificant add up. And in doing so, it, it changes our level of tolerance when we're completely, when we're submerged in it, it changes our level of tolerance. This is a very, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, I want to say harsh analogy, but it, this is what came to mind as I was saying that. It's like the frog in the boiling water. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that story, but you can put a frog in a pot of water and in that pot of water, you turn on the heat. I know it's very morbid, but you turn on the heat and the frog will stay in the water because the temperature rises while the frog is still in the water. They don't, it doesn't recognize that it's rising. It doesn't recognize the change. The frog doesn't recognize the change in temperature. So that frog will, even though it could jump out, it won't jump out because it doesn't recognize it with the increased heat it like its tolerance increases, if that makes sense. So ultimately the frog dies, right? So that might be an <laughs> the wrong analogy, but I hope you are understanding what I am trying to articulate here. The, sec the next one is uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Again, oh my gosh, the downloads uh, for this episode. So if you are listening to it, it is not by mistake because... This is not my own. This is God weaving in new thoughts to very familiar verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Sister, can I tell you, I have been walking with the Lord now for over 20 years and like with a ton of bricks as I was reading this once again for, I don't even know, like it must, I don't know, hundreds of times. I have no idea. But I think so often we go to that verse when we're in a challenging situation. And I, I'll speak for myself. I know this has been true. I have leaned on that verse most often when it's a challenging situation. But what if we apply it and what if we are meant to be applying it in our everyday lives? We assume and how arrogant is that for us to assume that, that we know the right thing to do, right? We're constantly learning, growing, and evolving. We're constantly learning new and better things. We are constantly, you know, as uh, highly driven Christian women, we're constantly looking at new ways to build relationships, new ways to build our business, new ways to um, market, new ways to grow our audience, whatever the case may be. Why are we not doing that more intentionally and in the details of our relationship with God? So, and of course, Again, I know many of you are, but it's just that kind of affirmation that hit me this morning of why I do, I, you know, and it is that understanding of 
lean not on your own understanding. So like, don't assume, for me, I'm thinking this, don't assume that I know what I need to execute that day, right? Don't assume that I know how to interact, right? It's like checking in, plugging in to the source, the charger, if you will, that is our ultimate charger as Christian women and doing that on a daily basis. I I was super blessed and I got um, this uh, Apple watch, whatever, um, for Christmas and super blessed in that I just love it and it's an amazing gift and I'm so grateful for, for, for it. And Yet I, it doesn't run very long without needing the charge. And it's just a battery. Like it's just a, like it's, it's a really nice gadget, but it is just a gadget. And it doesn't like it, it doesn't go more than a day without needing to be charged. Right. And yet if we aren't spending that daily intentional time with God in his presence, in his word, how are we? expecting our soul to be cared for and how are we expecting to know like the the roadmap the like the and I think I do believe that God gives can give you a specific vision and that uh you it may be long term and all that kind of stuff but just like when we talk about in business or in fitness or whatever it is if you have a five-year plan you have a one-year plan right whatever God's put on your heart then you break it down into quarterly, then monthly, and then like your daily habits are what lead, you know, applying daily habits consistency is consistently over time is what leads you to getting to that goal. And the same should be true in how we approach the ultimate authority over our life, the ultimate source and knowledge of wisdom. Like he is everything we could ever think or imagine in what we need, right? And he will provide people, resources, like he can provide little and big, all the things, right? When we are alert to his presence, when we are alert to what he is saying and how he is directing and how he is leading, when we are not being distracted by other things that might be seemingly good things. I hope this is landing for you guys because my mind is blown. So the next verse that I um, wrote down as I was preparing for this is Job 33, 31. And I got to tell you, God kept bringing me back to Job the last couple months too. And I'm like, Lord, I hope you're not just like, get, like trying to trying to tell me something's coming. But um, it's but it keeps bringing me back actually to this specific verse. And that is Job 33, 31. Give ear, Job. Listen to me. Hold your peace and I will speak. And then at the end of 33, he says, hold your peace and I will teach you wisdom. And if you think about it from this perspective, when do you have the most peace? And really, that honestly is for something for you to consider. For me, that's one of the reasons why one of my performance habits, which I'll talk about in, in, a, in just a minute, is not looking at email or social media first thing in the morning. Because the great, my greatest time of peace and kind of feeling grounded is first thing in the morning, before any other thoughts or influences get in my head, right? And I I do understand that I have kind of the ideal setup and that I'm not in a position where I don't have little kids at this point. I have my dogs at at most, right? That can be the distraction, but um, I don't have, I have the ability to do that fairly easily. I have the ability to um, 
have that time. But honestly, let me do this because I don't I don't want to hear like I don't want to give you room to build stories for yourself. I will tell you that it has been a practice of mine to get up early, even when Dante, my oldest um, by son, which is my I was going to say birth son. If you guys don't know, I also have three bonus kids. So, uh, but it was just Dante and me for a long time. That's why the reference automatically went from there. And so when he was younger, I would get up intentionally before him. So even if that meant, you know, four, four thirty, whatever it was so that I could have that quiet, quiet space before the rest of everything got up to spend that time, because that is when I have the greatest peace. And when we have that peace, and that quietness and that stillness, that is when we are in the best position to be able to recognize his presence because we are in the absence of all the other potential distractions. I hope that makes sense. That is also true in terms of big decisions. But again, we'll, I think we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. I'm looking at my notes real quick. Um, let me just add it real here, here for a second. Just the idea and the concept, which is another thing I teach, is that regardless of what time of day it is or what the circumstances, you are always going to be better positioned to be able to know the solution, create a solution, believe in and hope in the solution and or just the next step and or the next direction. You're going to have your greatest discernment when you're in a position of peace. When you're in a position of stress, anxiety, striving, all those things, you might still make the decision, but it may not be the one that is the for your highest good or for the highest good of whatever that project is or person is or for your team, whatever aspect it might be, right? So being able to find those places of peace is super important throughout the day. However, the greatest importance is on starting that day in a place where you're able to best hear from him, right? Even Jesus went away from everybody to be still, be by himself and have that time of prayer and connection and relationship with God, right? And then Psalm 37, 4 talks about delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And again, the new kind of understanding of this is is the word delight, right? It's not just believe in God, it's delight yourself also in the Lord, So how do you get those feelings of being delighted, right? I know I will say for me, at least, like it, it, sometimes it requires focus because if you've got all these, you know, crazy life's going on and whether it's, you know, family all around you or stuff going on with business or what have you, like you're focused on those things, right? So it's hard to feel that and also at the same time feel delight, right? You you shift your focus in order to feel the delight, feel the gratitude, right? It's what you focus on. And in doing that, you might have heard me teach this before, that, you know, he shall give you the desires of the heart doesn't mean like you want to win the lotto, you're going to win the lotto. It means that you are in relationship with him in such a way that the desires in your heart are actually the desires that he has given you, right? So that's where you can trust in and know in that the vision, the plans that he has given you, the, you know, the desires that are rooted in front from him. And again, that's a, another process, another episode. Uh, you can be rest assured that they are for from him and therefore you have the potential to see them, right? It's acting them out. It's being that active participant. It's finding 
the ways to align all things so that you are making those daily choices consistently that lean into your highest good. And then last but not least in terms of this section is the Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And then we're going to rapid fire through the last few because they're not as heavy, if you will. Um, so, but Matthew eleven twenty eight is come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I really think this comes back to the learning how to work from a position of active surrender, right? God's way, you think about it as I was writing this out again, out of all the things that he experienced, Jesus didn't walk out stressed out, anxious, grumpy, all the things, right? He had this massive, obviously, like there's no words to describe the impact and the influence that Jesus had, right? There's just no words in our finite language to express that. And yet he did it from a position of peace, and I feel like that's really, I hear so many Christian women within my Christian circles, um, it, virtual circles, right, on, on various groups and platforms and all this kind of stuff that are, that are being called to operate this year from a position of peace. I've heard that over and over and over again. So I believe that this episode is meant to just really affirm that for you right? If that is one of the things that you're hearing this year, it is affirming that for you that we're called to operate effectively and have massive impact for his kingdom, but from a position of peace and not at the expense of our own well-being or that of our families, right? So having said that, that's all falls under the category of the first, which is the but first God. The second is honoring your mind and body. And so honoring your mind and body is a, uh, is not, honoring your mind and body is a big topic because there is a lot to it. But truly, as I have taught before, our body and our mind are the tools, the actual tools, you think of the, what, the, what the tools of a craftsman needs in order to get their job done, right? The two tools that God gave us was our mind and our body. And of course, his spirit in us, but I don't, I don't know that I want to associate that as being a tool. That, that, that doesn't feel right to me. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like these are the things that he gave us to be able to operate in his presence, in his calling, in the purpose, in the unique purpose that he's given us. And yet, notice this, please. Notice this. Whatever you're doing, come back to me. Reel yourself back in because this is super critical. Mind and body are the tools that he gave us to be able to experience experience because our ability to think, focus, manage our emotion impacts our ability to connect with them, right? And then it also impacts our ability to relate to other people. And then it also impacts your ability to show up physically and physically function at your greatest capacity. And therefore, it also impacts your ability to execute the unique and greater purpose that God has given you specifically to live out. So then if I was the enemy, 
I would plot and I would scheme, as Priscilla Shriver would describe or say, to work against you so that you believe that taking care of your mind and body is somehow selfish, is somehow not worth your time, is somehow self-serving. Because if you were to believe, knowing that you are a good person and you mean well and you have a heart to serve God and serve others and you know that you've got a massive impact that you are called to live out, you know these things. And so if I were the enemy, I'd work overtime to convince you that self-care was selfish. I'd work overtime to keep you, if not discouraged, because you might be too mentally strong for that. You might be too mentally and spiritually connected to God for that, but at least distracted just enough to to curtail or slow down the rate and the speed in which you are to give the impact, the, the, the potential in which you are to be able to influence. Because if I can at least just hamper that just a bit, and that's, that's, uh, that is, um, you know, minimizing even to some extent what God might have for you and what God might be wanting to give and do in and through you. Isn't that not like just mind blowing to understand that this culture of self-care being selfish is actually a plan and a scheme of the enemy? And is it not amazing that God has so intricately designed our bodies that it is 100% biblical and science-based, science-backed, whatever the case you want to, word you want to use, that caring for your physical body impacts your mental and brain function. And therefore, it is actually the, like the prior, it needs to be one of your priorities, And as I teach, uh, what God has shown me in terms of priorities is that our first priority is, of course, our relationship with him. But then our second priority has got to be the self-care because of the fact that it is the tool. Your brain, your body is the tool you have in order to be able to to live out what God has, experience and then live out what God has for you. And if it's not optimally functioning, you're not going to be able to optimize your experience or your giftings, right? Not only that, but something that, again, I'm not sure exactly why, but it's not talked about enough in churches. And that is that God's, one of God's, you know, callings for us. I don't want to say requirements because you always have a choice, but the whole Bible is based on that. His word and his truth is when you live by these things, you will experience to the greatest extent of your ability what I have for you. And one of his primary directives is, of course, love yourself as you love your neighbors, right? And, or love your neighbors as you love yourself, sorry. But the prerequisite is also that we honor him in both mind and body, in spirit and body. First Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And in a culture that has fallen into convenience and, and all the reasons and the stories. And again, I'll, I'll, I know I have, I'm super grateful for all of you. And if you're in Australia or England or 
uh, wherever you might be listening from, bear with me with these references to the United States, but using the United States as an example, over 70% of the people in the United States are overweight. Over, I think it was 74 point something percent last time I checked based on the last statistic, right? That, mean, that is a level of tolerance. If there is over 70% of people that are overweight, of course, that means that there is a level of tolerance in this culture that perpetuates being overweight. And yet, one of the, so one of the stories that I hear often is it could be a woman or, I mean, obviously it could be men, but my most 98% of my interactions are with women are, you know, they, they, maybe they're holding on to 50 pounds or holding on to 40 pounds or whatever it is more than what is healthy for their body. And yet their reasoning is, well, I don't have a bad health report yet. Or their reasoning is, well, I'm doing okay, like whatever, it, it hasn't shown up negatively yet, right? Other than the fact that they don't feel comfortable in their clothes and they have brain fog and they don't have energy and, and all the things. But my point is, is that, again, it's a scheme of the enemy to change the culture where he, where he can and even discourage or distract believers so that their physical well-being is compromised, and again, by being compromised, that compromises our ability to fully experience. Doesn't mean you can't have a good life. Doesn't mean you can't do all the things, all those kinds of things. And it should not, do not. I, re, I bind the enemy and any, um, you know, stinking thinking or any whispers that are of condemnation or anything of that nature. And I want them to fall on deaf's ear, so to speak. And I, um, I claim that in the name of Jesus because I don't want you to go into condemnation, but that understanding of God says, I have all these amazing things for you. If you could just do these things and do your part, you will be in a position, better position to experience them, right? Without them, you're not sitting in the best seat that I have for you, right? He's got, you think about, you know, the massive, a massive event that you want to attend, like you have premium seats and you have the nosebleeds, right? You can still see, you can still experience, you can still feel the atmosphere from the nosebleed seats, but how much better is it when you have the premier seats down front, front and center, and you're in the heart of it, right? And again, (laughs) bear with me with my crude analogies, but they're coming to me as I'm talking, so I'm going with it, right? So you get to experience it either way because you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? What, I know I want the premier seats. I want to be, I want it all. I want the full experience. I want all the things God has for me. So I want to look at, and this is again, being healthy and being able to function in this way is my gifting. There are areas that I get to lean into other people, right? But this is my gifting because of the work he's done in and through me over the last 20 years and having coached women for over 10 years now, right? So again, first, the understanding of the importance of honoring your mind and body. How do you do that? And it comes down to a couple facets. It comes down to a couple facets in that it's a combination of starting with sleep. Our sleep is so critical. You are selling yourself short if you are not getting good quality sleep. The amount of sleep that you get is going or need is going to vary. 
And you might need more sleep in the beginning as if your body is healing or recovering or if you're coming from a season where you've been high stress and high anxiety, your body will tell you what you need because sleep is one of the primary gifts God has given you for your body to be able to repair, recover, rejuvenate, right? So sleep is critical. And the second is your foods knowing the right foods that are going to work best for your body. There's some common principles that are basic to all based on how God created us to function. And I'll just tell you in this moment, because my goal of this episode is not to go in the details of how to make all of this happen, but to give you the six principles. But foods themselves, I will tell you that it does not include fad diets or seemingly quick fixes that are going to move the scale very quickly. Those do not align with optimal health. And I get that there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of hype where it's supported by, you know, um, you know, this fad or this trend or whatever might be like uh, promoted or supported or quote unquote doctor approved, really discern motives because there are, they could be very well-meaning people just as in any walk in life, right? But when you are going into extreme caloric deficits, regardless of them saying, but here's this supplement and so it's not as bad or whatever the case, or excluding a whole food group, that does not align with optimal health for long term. Go see the episode Damaging Diet Trends, all right? So foods play a critical role. Movement plays a critical role. Stress management. I will tell you, for those of us that are high performing, we manage stress much differently. So you may be in the impression that you're not stressed out because it's your normal. But if you are not taking time to do these other things in self-care, your body is stressed out and eventually it'll catch up with you. And I'm preaching the choir because it did for me too a few years ago. Um, And then my body said, you're done for a while. And I had an extreme uh, bout or what have you. I experienced adrenal fatigue uh, and it, again, that's an episode of itself, but I would encourage you to be mindful of doing these other things. And then even if you don't recognize stress because they will reduce stress, the other aspect of stress management is your ability to recognize and reframe how you're responding to situations and circumstances that are outside of your control, right? How you manage everyday life and being able to be in a position of responsiveness versus reaction. There's so much to that one alone. And then the fourth thing is using your yes sparingly. So people pleasing is not part of high performance. It just isn't. You have to get really good at knowing what to say yes to. And then of course, being courageous and saying no even when it feels like it's weird or it's odd or whatever the case may be, right? I'll, I'll give you some personal stories because I know that stories help people relate, but I, I'm i sure that I do see, like depending on what circles you're in, right? So in some of my circles, these are no, very normal <laughs> choices. In some of my other circles, right? Because we, we have different circles of friends or community or what have you. Um, based on likes and interests and, and that type of thing. So in the circles, in my circles where I'm surrounded with amazing, highly effective, highly successful people, these things are not weird. In some of my circles for everyday life, it might be perceived as weird, not right or wrong. It's just because those people 
aren't living out the same life with the same directive, right? They aren't living out the same purpose with the same directive. So the fact that I, you know, go to bed between, you know, eight, nine o'clock most nights, even on weeknights, right? There might be an occasional night here or there where I can't sleep or I do occasionally fall into the one more thing or whatever, but pretty much eight, nine o'clock. And so if there's, even if it's a study, I actually was in a small group for a period of time and we weren't getting done. And I thought, I'll just make an exception for this, but we weren't getting done until night. It was supposed to end at nine. And then by the time we actually left and then got home, I wasn't getting to bed till like 10. And also at the time I was still waking, you know, had to be up at a certain time. Now I do have some flexibility as to where I get my eight hours, but I ultimately didn't stay with the community group because I was like, this is not like working out for me. I love the time with you guys. I love the interaction, but in my big picture needs, in my big picture and how I function, how I feel my best and doing what I believe my calling is doing, staying up till 10 o'clock on a weeknight doesn't serve that, right? And so, uh, you know, the way I eat is just a lifestyle for me, but it might be Um, so it's, I, you know, I could be out with a friend group and maybe they're enjoying some sort of dessert or like, come on, you got to try it. I'm like, no, I really don't, don't want to try it. Don't want to bite. I don't do gluten. I don't do dairy. Really. It's not worth it to me. Right. That's not how I celebrate or enjoy and, or just even your time commitments, right? Really. And this is probably the most critical one. And that's where I'm sorry. I started on that train of thought in terms of like the time you go to bed, the time you wake up is also like your time is so incredibly valuable. So whether it's seemingly something small, somebody's, you know, sending you something and saying, hey, check this out, take a look at it. And you look at it and it's like a two page article, but it's not something that aligns with your bigger goals, your bigger purpose. It's not something that you have an interest in. Then you don't take the five minutes to read it because time is critical when you're on a mission, right? It sounds Extreme, it sounds harsh, but it, you get to decide to break your time down to that level, even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, all of those things add up, right? And, you know, again, going into more detail, one of the things that I coach is like looking for where you can make efficiencies, even in your everyday life, right? In some areas, and, you know, Dan Kennedy talks about breaking down what you, in terms of income, he, from a business standpoint, he breaks down, you know, what you want to make in a year, what your time is worth, and then discerning what your tasks are in a day that you can give away. Because is it more beneficial for you to delegate a task that might be at $15 an hour if you're like rate in what you calculated is 200 an hour, then of course you're going to pay somebody to do the 15 an hour. Now, if you're starting out, I know it takes a while to get there and all that kind of stuff, but it's like maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's somebody that you're, you're teenagers, right, doing the chores around the house or whatever it might be. Your time is valuable. And so you get to be extremely selective in how you invest your time and what you say yes to not from an elitist position by any stretch of the imagination. And you don't have to share why you're saying yes or why you're saying no, right? That's one of the things with, you know, I think especially with um, women, a lot of times we feel like we have to justify a no or I can't because or which, I mean, it's, it's, you can do that if it's nice and if it's whatever, but you also don't always have to explain everything. Make sense? There's a, there's a fine line, but you do get to because you are on a mission. You have a unique 
and greater purpose. And in order to honor that, you get to decide how to invest your time and does it align with God's purpose. Now, God's purpose is also to love others like that his our main purpose our core purpose is to be in relationship with him and to example or to be the example of his character in and through us to other people so we're always like in kindness in grace making time for people when it's appropriate it's not all about you what i mean is discerning the things that just aren't necessary right that's what i mean being kind investing time with friends like there doesn't always have to be you know, you're going to get something out of it. It's just knowing, you know, maybe you're, you're meant to, to give and to pour into the time or the situation or whatever, but also being super critical about what does not align, right? I hope that that makes sense is that the heart, taking it from a position, I'm, I'm assuming that you're in that time with God, that you're able to, you're in that relationship with him so that you're able to make wise decisions and wise discernments about where your time should be invested, where it should be protected, and what is in the highest good for your relationship with God first and foremost, your own personal self-care, then your family, specifically your spouses if you've chosen to be married, then your kids, then your friends, and then the you know, the and then whatever God has called you or sorry, family, then your your work, your business, right? And then if there is time for anything extra, but then breaking it down into the, the details, it really does come down to the details and how you spend your time. I hope that that makes, makes sense. Message me if you have any questions on that. Um, the fifth is like the greatest of greatest invest in themselves. It is the best way. And this is what is good to understand is that truly you don't need a coach and you don't want to be in a position where you feel like you like, I need to have that coach, right? Like that's a depression, like a desperation position. Um, the, the healthy position is that I want to invest in a coach because usually one of two things, that coach or that mentor knows something that you don't yet know. So although you could make the time, the attention, the focus, all of that to figure it out on your own eventually, you value your time and you know and understand and believe in that coach enough because they have experiential knowledge and they have proof that they've helped other people accomplish it as well. That's super important. And so you know that they can help you get there faster and you value the time of getting to your result or to your desired goal or to your desired outcome faster than it would take you having to do it on your own. And or there's like, for example, a lot of like women might come to me because you're amazing at what you do and your core calling, maybe that's building a business that has an impact for, you know, marketing or a business, like maybe you're a business coach or whatever the case might be. But when it comes to your own personal health care and self-care, yeah, you could probably make the time and figure it out, but that might take you years to do. Whereas you can come to me, you have a coach, you have an advocate that's on your side and has a proven process. So you don't have to do all that work. You can have someone come alongside of you and say, this is the process that works. I'm here to um, support and guide you and you're going to execute based on the plan that's been given to you, right? That gives you that time 
it gives you time back because instead of spending five years trying to figure it on your own, you're investing time with a coach that's going to make the process faster. That's the first reason. You invest because you value your time over the and the value of the outcome, getting to it sooner rather than later over whatever the investment is to be with that coach or that mentor. And or the second is mastery. Right. There are some aspects of most aspects of life, actually, where it's maybe you start an initial your program or maybe you start an initial program or mentorship or what have you. But you continue on because there there is nothing that is in any aspect of life that is going to not serve you to experience consistency over time. Right. It's a mastery in any aspect of life, even in my own areas of expertise, I continually work on my personal development through coaches, through mentors, through certifications. I continually work on the mastery of my craft, the mastery of being able to coach others, the mastery of understanding nutrition. I'm constantly looking at being a, a, a being a student. One of my girlfriends said it best the other day. She's taking a pottery class. She's like, she's it's just a, a side passion of hers. And she also likes to always be doing something new or learning something or challenging herself in some way. So she did a, a stint of pottery, you know, a couple months back and learned a specific modality of it. And she's like, I'm, I'm going back and now I'm learning this piece of it. And I feel like I'm new all over again, right? I feel like I'm starting all over again. But we were talking about the fact that that's where you want to be. You always want to feel like the new kid in something, in some aspect of life, and or it's not really necessarily new. It's building upon what you've started to begin to understand. And the last but not least, choosing kindness and joy. And that starts with yourself, right? In order for you to be highly effective and stay with this momentum, we get to choose kindness and grace and loving ourselves. One of the things that I, expressions that I love by one of my virtual mentors, Juliana Garcia, is she uses this expression of knowing that I've got my back, right? She says that all the time. She says, I know that I've got my back. Now, from a faith perspective, obviously, we lean into God, but I do think it is so powerful to lean into an understanding of trusting ourselves, of being kind to ourselves, of giving ourselves grace and compassion. A lot of times we are quick to give it to other people, not as quick to give it to ourselves, right? And allowing ourselves to come back to that kindness because when you are stretching, when you are continually growing, you're going to fail. (laughs) You're going to make mistakes. That is like if you aren't feeling and if you are not making mistakes, then I would encourage you to look at are you reaching far enough? Are you dreaming big enough? Because the only time you're not failing or not making mistakes is when you're in your comfort, like when you're sitting in comfort, when you're sitting with complacency, right? And God doesn't want you to sit in complacency or comfort of what was yesterday, right? He wants you to continually, his, his word says, I'll continue to work in, work in you until the day I take you home, right? Obviously, that's paraphrased. My point is, is that like, having moments that are, and I say moments, I mean, I don't mean figuratively. I mean, it might be a week or a month or season, whatever, of where it's hard and it's challenging and it requires that godly grit to get through it. That means you're probably on the right track, right? But being kind to ourselves and giving ourselves love and saying, it's okay, I've got your back, right? That is so powerful. So it's 
it comes back to, again, choosing that heart of kindness and empathy and compassion for ourselves, right? So I'm going to end here, but I will recap it for you really quickly. So the first is that um, in order for you to really be able to be in that position of high performance as a Christian woman, being in that place where you're showing each day, showing up each day, ready to receive to your greatest capacity and also give to your greatest capacity, ready to be an active surrender, meaning you're going to check in with God starting first thing in the morning, and you're going to make those plans. You're going to be open to what he has for you. Even the the person that he wants you to see at Starbucks today and wants you to either pay for their drink or just give them a smile or give them a compliment. You're going to be so locked in and anchored to him that you're going to see those moments so that you don't miss them. But you're also going to have that direction and that discernment for that next business decision or that next decision related to your family or when your adult son comes to you and they have a topic that they want to talk to you and you so want to tell them what to do, but maybe in that moment, your position is to listen and just hold space for them. You're going to know and have that discernment because you've locked your day in. You've anchored it by starting it with God first, and you are operating from this position of high performance as a Christian woman. So the first is, but first God, right? Doing that soul care, spending that time with him first thing in the morning. I went through a bunch of different verses to support that. And then the second is honoring your mind and body. The third is using your yes sparingly. The fourth is investing in yourself in means of coaching and mentors. The last but not least is choosing kindness and joy for yourself. Being kind, having grace for yourself, and choosing to see the good. Choosing joy choosing that focus. So as always, I would love to hear from you and connect with you. You can reach me at Rebecca at RebeccaTabert.com. If you want an advocate to come alongside of you in terms of how to optimize your health in mind and body so that you can create the greatest experience in relationship with God and in giving out your unique and greater purpose because you've optimized your health and mind and body, then I'd love to connect with you and you can send me an email at Rebecca at RebeccaTabert.com. Just send me an email. We'll hop on a quick call and decide whether or not it would be a good fit for us to work together. So I love you guys and until next time.